What's good, everybody? It's Petty Ice once again, coming at you with another episode of Irrational MMA. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, the light heavyweight division right now, how it's like all of a sudden, you know, alive again. Uh, you know, going to talk a little bit about the heavyweight division and the state it's in right now. Kind of like the fights that are going to be really big in the heavyweight division right now. And, you know, talking a little bit about the, the strawweight and the lightweight divisions which are super stacked log jam divisions with a whole bunch of killers now the show that we just had saturday was uh was a big pretty it was a really big coming out party for jan blakovich now i knew i knew blakovich had power but i didn't think he was going to put away Corey Anderson like that in like that little bit of time you know I thought he was really gonna try to go out there and just kind of like be really technical because I mean lately we've been just seeing him kind of just throw just just kind of throw just like super powerful shots when he sees them because I mean I mean for a while he was sitting there trying to be like a really technical striker he wasn't trying to throw everything he got into like a, one like a few shots but now it's like i have the opening i have the power I'm, I'm gonna take this guy out i mean we saw it against luke rockhold he took him out i wasn't expecting that even though rockhold did have a really really like suspect chin i really wasn't thinking he was gonna take him out like that and then i mean his little match with uh jacare soza a few months ago I mean, that was kind of just a testament to, you know, how well he is at grappling defense now. Because, I mean, he used to kind of struggle with that. But, yeah, he, 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 was, he wasn't going to the ground at all. I mean, this is basically just this, this these past couple years has just been Jan Blahovic just coming out and being like, yo, this is what I can do. And I want to be able to challenge for a title soon. So, I mean, after he won, he ran up. He ran to the side of the cage. He looked John in his eyes. Was like, "Yo, I want my fight. You better give me my fight." And you know, John, he pleased you know pleased the crowd. And, you know, he was like, he was all in with it. You know, it's a good thing it was actually in Al uh, near Albuquerque. Oh, and, yeah, it was near Albuquerque, so he could have showed could show up because I mean he lives there. So it's a good thing that that event was there. I think it was planned for sure. It's like we got two light heavyweights that could contend for a title, I'm going to put it in New Mexico. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's 100% playing. That's great marketing. But, you know, Jones was there, looked right at Blakovich, accepted the accepted his little fight right then and there. He was like, yo, just give it, pretty much all that needs to be done is for Dana to give them a date. I mean, there could be the Reyes rematch, but after what Jan Blakovich did, I mean, there, there, that, that Reyes rematch isn't coming for quite a bit. And I'm pretty sure John would rather have a Blakovich fight than the Reyes fight once again. Because, I mean, that Reyes fight, that took something out of him for sure. It took a little, it took a, it took a piece of his pride and showed a little, like a whole bunch of kinks in his armor. So, I'm pretty sure John is going to want that, that, uh, that Blakovich fight. And Anderson could, will have to just wait again for, uh, for a chance at John Jones. So, what happened? It was a uh, first round K KO, and it was, woo, that was solid. Like, I, Corey Anderson, he was moving around a lot, and he was throwing a lot of jabs, and that jab really, just to see how Jan was able to, like, calculate that range and land that shot that he ended up landing was all because of those jabs. I mean, like, that's like a testament to showing him, like, showing, like, 
his skills. I mean, I'm pretty sure like he's gonna use this that that same thing, finding Corey's range with the jab, or Corey using his jab, and Jan finding that range by just Corey using his jab. I'm pretty sure John's gonna use that same thing against John, and I'm pretty all these things that he's been showing for the past couple of years has just been like, yo, I can take John out. I have the tools, and I'm ready. I mean, he's a lot. He's older than John too, so I mean, he had, he definitely has more experience. So, but yeah, he was able to measure up the range because Corey was using that jab. Corey's moving around a lot, you know. He's moving around a lot. He's bouncing around. He's moving. He's coming in and out, in and out. Hitting with the jab, coming out. He's he's really he's sticking to moving, sticking to moving. He really was he was really, uh, you know, kickbox heavy at the beginning. I mean, I mean, the fight only lasted a couple of minutes, but I mean, he was really like he, he he wasn't you know heavy on his feet. He didn't seem like he was trying to look for a takedown at all at that moment. It just kind of seemed like he wanted to knock him out, kind of like he had, how he did Johnny Walker. I mean, they took him out in the first round, so. I'm pretty sure he believed, you know, I'm going to show my power again. I'm going to give you guys a devastating knockout again. So I definitely get this title shot because he saw what Dominic Reyes did in that John Jones fight. So he had to do something amazing just for him to, like, be able to get that shot. And I think that really backfired on him a lot. I feel like if he would have shown his, uh, if he would have shown his will to take Jan down a whole lot faster, I'm pretty sure, you know, it would have opened a lot more of the kickboxing up. So he probably could have like been switching it up, you know, going upstairs and then, you know, trying to faint the the takedown, you know, give him a few faint down, uh, takedown fakes, you know, keep coming at him, not jabbing as much. Cause I mean, when you got a, you got a guy with power and he can find that range with his hand, I mean, you're gonna go to sleep if you don't set, if you don't, uh, if you're not careful. And Corey wasn't careful when he tried to go for that leg kick. I don't know. That leg kick just seemed super awkward when he was trying to throw it. I mean, it kind of seemed like he was trying to set it up, but he, like, didn't set it up. And he just caught, he just got caught, like, really bad. I don't know. It was just a weird leg kick to, like, just, just a weird, like, sequence up for the leg kick. I don't know. Everything before that was really good. You know, he's moving. He's moving really well. He's landing. He was landing quite, uh, landing quite well. But just that that awkward leg kick, I don't know. I don't know. To me, it seemed awkward. I don't know for someone else, it might have not have. But like the sequence up to it, just it didn't look right. I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I see watch a lot of Justin Gaethje. Um, I don't know. It's not how it's not how Gaethje would do it. I should say, but not even with Justin Gaethje. But the way he just the way he went for the the leg kick is just so. I don't know. It just seemed awkward to me. And like when he got knocked out, I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you don't set up a late kick properly. I don't know. It just, he just looked weird doing it. And I mean, that's another thing Jan was showing. He's like, if you go for my legs, I'm going to take you out. If you don't set up that late kick, John, I'm going to take you out. So Jan, he, he's got, he, he's shown that he has a lot of tools that he can most likely handle John Jones. But the thing is, Jan is very flat-footed. He's not. He doesn't move a lot. He doesn't have. I wouldn't say his footwork is bad, but he's just not like. He's not like a bouncy up and up and around guy like Gustafson was, like um, Reyes was. He's kind of really flat-footed. He's a, he's he's a big flat-footed target. And we've seen John Jones do 
quite well with those kind of like those types of guys. So I don't know if Jan can like land that big heavy shot. I mean, we've seen Jones uh, take some heavy shots, but I mean, I don't know. It just seems like right now Jan just kind of throwing everything at it. So hmm. if he if he catches Jones, I mean, he could he could actually put him out. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Jan really surprised me with this performance recently. And I mean, for me, even though I would rather see the Reyes, uh, the Jones Reyes rematch, I believe Blakovich is going to get that title fight. A hundred percent sure later down this year. Because I don't think, because I mean, it's the beginning of the year, February, and I don't think John Jones has any plans of fighting anytime in the summer, early fall. So it's probably going to be, you know, eight months from now, you know, maybe like October, November-ish for him to get another match. It just seems right because, like, it was a five-round contest. He did take quite a bit. He didn't take, like, a whole lot of damage. It wasn't like a like an insane war where he got, like, bloodied up. But, I mean, he did take – he was taking a few – he was taking quite a bit of shots. And, you know, he's a little older now. So, I mean, him, he's definitely going to have to take a bit of rest. So – uh, I, I believe the he won't be trying to fight again until like later this fall, so it'd be kind of hard for either Blakovich or Reyes to. I mean, unless one of them gets hurt, like they Blakovich for sure has to stay ready to go and has to stay healthy. If he can stay healthy this whole range of time till fall, he's gonna get the, he's gonna get the title fight. But if Dominic's ready and he's healthy, and Jan gets injured, he's for sure stepping in. He's gonna, he's for sure gonna step in. And I really hope they don't try to like get make him do like another little like fight, you know? Because I mean, we've seen that happen before, where a guy, you know, he, he he's ready for that title fight, but I mean, he ends up taking a fight because you know, the the, the champ already has like. A fight coming up or the champ got injured so it kind of ruins their fight and he has to get another guy to jump in there and then a lot of times that doesn't really work out well so i don't know i hope dominic reyes doesn't get put on ice because he is he is a, a great fighter but at the same time you know he should probably try to put himself on ice until john jones is like signed any kind of kind of kind of contract so i mean until jones wants to fight he has to be ready 100 because if jones not ready if jones doesn't try to fight this year i mean he's reyes is kind of screwed and reyes and blackovich is kind of screwed and i mean it's a great thing though that you know reyes had that performance because without reyes having that amazing performance like the, the the light heavyweight division wouldn't be anywhere right now honestly i mean jones if jones wasn't tested like he was tested against dominic reyes uh, there wouldn't be so much, you know, excitement about this. I mean, the, the, this last weekend was so dependent on how well Reyes did because if Reyes did horrible, you just kind of be like, oh, it's just another light heavyweight fight, you know, who gets to get smacked up by John Jones. But since Dominic Reyes has such a great performance, you're like, oh, John Jones is slowing down. He's getting a little older. He's getting this. The, this Corey Anderson guy, you know, he, he might have a chance. I mean, he's talking big. You know, he's a really good fighter, blah, blah, blah. And then you got this John Blackwood guy who's been just killing it for the past couple of years. So, yeah, light heavyweight division, you know, it's up and alive again. 
uh, I mean, there's not really a lot of, I would say, contenders outside of, uh, I mean, Anthony Smith, not really. I don't see him can being able to compete with John Jones, but he's up there. He's like ranked number three. Uh, Tiago Santos will be coming back soon, hopefully. There was a video of him going around, a uh, video of him going around of him, you know, shadow boxing, kicking, you know, put, getting up sweat going. He looks good. He looks really big, though. Super big. I know that that surgery, that's that uh, post-surgery weight, I guess. But yeah, he looked he looked huge, which is good. The bigger, the better. <laughs> it's hard to believe that that guy used to fight middleweight. Cause I mean, like, it's not as it's not like a Anthony Johnson type. Like, how the hell did he get down there? But it's like, bro, he looks beefy. For sh like right now, he looks beefy. Not like like you know, fat guy, but like he looks jacked, upper body wise. I didn't, I haven't seen his. I I didn't get a good look at his legs. I don't think I don't think his legs are looking all that jacked. But his upper body is he's huge. He's huge. So, I don't know. Man's looking big. It'd be cool if he can go up to heavyweight. That'd be nice. <laughs> and then, speaking of Anthony Johnson, there's rumblings and the, the from uh, his manager, Ali. Uh, yeah, Ali. You know, the guy that manages basically everybody in the UFC. Um, he's been talking about how Anthony Johnson right now is 230 and he could possibly make another run at light heavyweight. Now me, I much rather see prefer Anthony Johnson at heavyweight rather than light heavyweight. Cuz I mean he looks super big now and it's like I don't know, I'd rather I'd rather see you coming up here and fight Francis. I'd rather I'd rather see Anthony Johnson fight Francis than him fight John Jones. 100%. I'd rather see him fight Francis, Stipe, um, try at it with that uh, Curtis Blades cat that's coming up. Because, I mean, we've seen him not do so well against, you know, big power punchers. So, but he's also, like, a pretty, uh, he's a really talented guy. He's been able, I don't know, he's kind of improved on the feet a bit. But, I don't know, I'd just rather see... Anthony Johnson up there with the the big boys at heavyweight, because I mean, he could, he could add a whole lot more parity into that division. Because right now that division is kind of log jammed because of Stipe and his eye injury it was from getting it poked out by uh, by Daniel Cormier. And uh, yeah, it's funny how like a lot of the the heavyweight contenders are like they're they're getting mad at Stipe for like staying out for so long but i mean it's an eye injury i mean like if you've seen um michael bisping there's a video going on because like he he ended up he ended up getting a glass eye because his, his other his right eye is like completely gone from getting head kicked by vitor before with that trt vitor that big boy vitor so for me when it comes to eye injuries i'd rather them take their time to come back because I mean your eyes they, they can't be saved I mean once you once you start having eye problems I mean it's just downhill from there there's no like 
there's no um there's no upside of having you know like really bad eye injuries so i mean i would say stipe take your time come back whenever you feel like and they shouldn't try to you know you know stripper vacate or at least the ufc shouldn't try to you know stripper vacate i understand a lot of the contenders saying it because i mean they have to keep their name in there they have to keep their name out there and they have to keep their name you know along with every along with all the other contenders because i mean francis and gano that fight with that's stipe with the fight of francis gano that's always going to be there uh again because we've seen francis improve so much more from that time he fought him and if really like stipe probably made him a like the the biggest threat we've ever seen in the heavyweight division i mean just the wrestling clinic that stipe was able to put on just like the pure like this is what a champion is kind of performance that he put on uh francis just from what we've seen so far has just launched him up a whole different level of a competitor because i mean when like we've seen kane try to take him at down but kane got caught just thrown off and destroyed his knee so the heavyweight division is really nice right now. Uh, adding Anthony Johnson into it would be great. I would love to see a lot of these guys. You know, Francis is going up against Rosenstrike, which is another up-and-cover guy. Uh, I would like to see Curtis Blades kind of go up at a, uh, go up against uh, Anthony Johnson if he ever actually makes a comeback this year. That would be a great fight, in my honest opinion. Or uh, or Curtis Blades and Volkov. Alexander Volkov. Uh, so, yeah, right now it's log jam, but there's still quite a bit of. I mean, there's not a lot of killers in that division to like, like look after. Be like, yo, yo, this guy, this guy. But there's there's quite a bit of guys that are you know very competitive in there. That would be nice for them to get matched up against each other. So, hope Stipe is good. Uh, and I hope they let him take his time because I mean, iron Jews are no joke. And especially because, like, you've seen, he, he got his eyes poked out in the first match against Daniel Cormier and in the second match against Daniel Cormier. And, I mean, if you see his eyes, I mean, they're all jacked up and kind of scratched up. I mean, that, it didn't help that he was getting punched in the face a lot. But he was definitely get eye poked the entire time. So, you know. Shout out to, uh, no, Iron, a Steep, Iron, Iron Eye Stipe. Even though he probably won't ever hit this. But... Mm. But yeah, uh, like heavyweight division looks pretty. There's some parity in there. Anthony Johnson would add to that parity, but if he ends up going down to light heavyweight, that would also be pretty nice as well to see him kind of like go through that division one more time. You know, take out all take all those guys out again. But you know, who knows? Anthony Johnson will do what Anthony Johnson wants. I don't know. It's kind of been uh, hinted at for like since like last year that he was coming back but i don't know no news has been really said i mean he was on um the food truck diaries with brendan schaub and he was talking about coming back in the fighting and where he'd be at and you see he was talking about you know fighting francis but it wouldn't be for like just a, you know like a contender fight it would have to be like for like an interim belt or like the actual belt itself because i mean francis is a really dangerous guy to fight and i mean guys know that 
but him actually coming out and saying that he would fight Francis at all, you know, it's it's, it's nice to hear. So if he does come back, I hope it's at heavyweight. But if it's at light heavyweight, that's great too, because Anthony Johnson will be back. Uh, it'll be nice to see how he'll be able to perform if he's gotten if his if, if that hand that right hand's gotten any stronger, gotten any better. Because I mean that dude was a killer back when he was still around. Um, his retirement still kind of angers me because it could have been handled so much. Like I don't know the way they handled the whole Jones and him. It was just kind of heartbreaking because he wanted that fight. Everyone wanted that fight, but it was just never made because partially Jones's, well, not partially, really all of Jones's fault. <laughs> but yeah, pass is pass. And all we can hope for is a new matchup. So hopefully Anthony Johnson comes back and puts some work in UFC because the UFC will definitely be better with him. And I mean, there's some new great guys right now, but I mean, Anthony Johnson's Anthony Johnson. I don't know. It's just, if you if you haven't if you don't know Anthony Johnson, just look up Anthony Johnson highlights on YouTube, and then you'll be like, oh my God, I love this guy. Why would he leave? <laughs> Dude's a killer, killer. And if you see him like really skinny, that's when he fought at welterweight. And yeah, this man fought at welterweight and. I think a couple months ago he was almost 300 pounds of muscle dude's beefy you can see it in his cheeks you know like when he has his cheeks all like nice puffed up this that that's 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 good anthony if you get the, if you see the bigger uh puffed up cheek anthony johnson that that's that's the real anthony johnson not welterweight anthony johnson or middleweight huge quotation marks because i don't even he, he missed weight when he tried to go up to middleweight from welterweight, and I don't I don't even believe he fought middleweight at all. I think he just kind of went up to light heavyweight and heavyweight when he was in strike force after he got dropped by the UFC from missing weight too many times. So yeah, that's another reason why I would like to just have Anthony Johnson at heavyweight because I mean we've seen him at heavyweight before in strike force and he was murking cat still, murking. So. I would love to see that matchup or any matchups in the heavyweight division. The heavyweight division is looking really cool right now, but it is log jam because Bay hasn't fought in quite a bit. Hopefully he does fight sometime this year, but you know, eye injury takes some time. Now moving on to the lightweight division. Now we have a really, uh, a really nice fight in the lightweight division coming up this weekend with Daniel Hooker and Paul Felder down in Auckland, New Zealand. Now I believe that card's going to be happening like super early in the morning on Saturday because their time is like I think they're like 12 it's like I think it's like 12 13 hours ahead of us. Well, in Arizona time. So here I think it would be like the main card's going to start like 2 in the morning. I believe I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I believe that the 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 uh, the main cards card starts super early in the morning. I believe it. I'm pretty sure it's past midnight. But yes, yeah, early morning Saturday. Um, that's gonna be a great fight, in my opinion. I love Paul Felder. I'm a huge Paul Felder fan. You know, man's a killer at lightweight. I mean, 
he technically doesn't really have to ever fight again because of his commentary job that he does with uh, some of the, uh, the events. But I just, I don't know, I'd rather see him in the cage, even though he does make very good commentary. Uh, he, he does have a, a lot of good takes. Uh, I believe he was commenting along the time. No, that was Michael Bisping in Mexico. But I believe Paul Felder did commentate one of these past few um, events. And he, I mean, he, he's very good. He's very good at his job. Um, but yeah, two really tough guys. I mean, Paul Felder's been in some wars, some crazy wars with Edson Barbosa that I believe took a few years off both their lives. Because I don't know how those dudes have gone at it like that for, I believe, six rounds. I mean, it would be great to have seen one of those, uh, you know, wars as a main event, you know, five round fights. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it'd be all that great on their health. But yeah, I love Paul Felder. That man, he, ooh, dangerous, dangerous. I hated how his uh, UFC three player model looks, though. He looks super weird and scrawny. They need to add the beard. He looks great with the beard. Him with the beard, and then you get, the, they need to put the mohawk on him. I love that little mohawk he used to rock back in the day. Who you spinning back, uh, spinning back fisting everybody, knocking them out. But yeah, they they definitely need to fix this player model for like the next UFC three or not not next UFC three, but you know for UFC four, they for sure need to fix this player model because he looks weird on UFC three. When you go back to the fight, Paul Felder, I mean. That light, that lightweight division is just so weird right now since Habib is like champ because he only fights twice a year. So it would be hard to give Paul Felder like, you know, like a matchup after this fight. Because, I mean, if he if he wins, which I believe, I mean, it's a weird match to, to pick. But me, I'd, I'd have my money on Paul Felder because uh, I'm a bigger Paul Felder fan than a Danny Hooker fan. Because I think, I don't know, Paul Felder, I believe he's he's a better kickboxer. He, he has more skills and he has a bit more power. But Dan, but Dan Hooker is super tough. But, I mean, if he if if, if Felder takes this fight, which I don't believe it's going to be a stoppage. I believe it's going to go to decision all five rounds. Because, I mean, that's just how, that's how... That's how that's how Hooker goes into it. I mean, he's not scared of a five round. Uh, he's not scared of going the distance. He's not scared of getting you know, brutalized. Because I mean, they both they've both fought Edson Barbosa, and they've both weathered those that storm. I mean, uh, Edson. Anytime Edson goes like three rounds or four or four or five rounds with anybody, if he goes if it, if he goes the whole distance with someone, he's definitely taking years off someone's life. Hundred percent sure he's. Is he's just too devastating of a of a striker. I mean, the only guy he hasn't really done anything hasn't done any damage to is like Gaethje. That's it. And then I mean Habib, because Habib was able to get him down pretty easily and keep him down there for a while. But I mean, he he, used to, he still landed a whole lot more on Habib. But I mean, these guys have both you know gone through the war with Edson Barboza. Paul Felder actually came out victorious one of the times, the second time in Abu Dhabi uh, a few months ago, when on the Poirier-Habib um, fight in Abu Dhabi, I think I believe in November of last year. 
yeah, I believe it was November. But yeah, these these guys are they're they're, they're both really tough guys. Paul Felder is just a little more skillful, skillful and a little more powerful. But Hooker, Hooker does have the reach on him. Uh, Hooker's a little taller than him, but I don't think that's going to be that much of a problem for Felder. Um, but yeah, but the problem with this fight is it's kind of hard to put it either of them in a direction, even if they win or lose. Win or lose, it's very difficult to place these guys in the division because like the lightweight division is just super, it's just super... It's super top. I wouldn't say it's not even super top heavy because there's a lot of guys coming on the come up that are like super skilled as well. So I don't know, just the lightweight division period is just a super stacked division. Just super stacked. There's just talent on talent on talent there. I mean, I mean, you start looking, if you get, you start looking past the guys that are ranked, you still got some killers there. You got, you still got guys that can take out some of these guys that are, you know, in the top 15. I mean, I would say all of them in the top 15, but, like, you know, there's some guys that aren't ranked that can possibly, like, come up and take some of these guys or, you know, maybe even top 10. But, yeah, just... If either one of them wins this fight, either one, I would love to see them take on Justin Gaethje. Because, I mean, all three of them has fought Edson Barbosa. Um, Paul Felder has won against him in a decision, Then, but he has also lost to him. Danny Hooker has lost to Barboza in his decision, and Gaethje just smacked him up in the first round. So, and Gaethje, Gaethje's like, or they compare one of them up with McGregor as well. If McGregor, McGregor is at all interested coming down to 155, I mean, he should. I mean, he's trying to fight, he's trying to get into a title fight, and he says he's trying to fight like four times this year. So, I mean, you might as well hop in with one of these guys or Gaethje. But yeah, this this weekend is really interesting, but it's hard to tell what kind of implications we'll have on the lightweight division, even though these guys are number six, number seven. I think Paul Felder's number six, Hooker's number seven in that division. So I don't know, just for them to be so high ranked and for it not to have for it to have like so little implication on like the actual division itself it's a weird fight but it's also a great fight and it's kind of like a great fight just for there to be a great fight i mean because after this i mean it doesn't seem like they're going to be contending for a title anytime soon anytime this year at all so it's kind of just it's kind of just a great fight to be a great fight if you actually like kind of look at it in a way it's kind of a great fight, bragging rights, and setting up your career for next year. Because, I mean, they, it's early in the year. I'm pretty sure they're both going to try to fight maybe two, one or two more times this year. Because it is February. So, I'm pretty sure they're just kind of trying to go on a season and make a name, a bigger name for themselves. So, they can potentially get a title shot next year. Because I don't see either of them getting a title shot this year. Because Habib only fights twice a year because of Ramadan. He's fighting in April, so that means he won't fight till probably November, maybe even December. If there's no like problems with this fight, with this fight coming up with Tony Ferguson on April 18th. So, great fight. Um, kind of hard to tell 
how meaningful it's going to be in the near future. But definitely a great fight. It's going to be in Dan Hooker's home hometown, so it's going to be he's definitely going to have the uh, hometown advantage. And I'm 100% sure this is probably going to be like up. Uh, this is not this is probably going to be a fight of the year candidate. I mean, my honest opinion, because these are both super tough guys. They're both really skillful guys, and it's going to be five rounds. So this might become fight of the year. Um, it's definitely going to be fight of the night as long as it goes to five rounds. I don't see a whole lot of grappling going on. I see a whole lot of blood, sweat and punches, and kicks going in this fight. Uh, yeah, Paul Felder, Dan Hooker coming up this weekend, Saturday, super early in the morning. I might at actually watch this one live because, you know, I have a bedtime now. I'm trying to put myself on a schedule, trying to go to sleep before 1 a.m. Because I do play video games very late. Speaking of video games, you know, if you want to play me in UFC 3, because I have mentioned it a couple times, you know, El Cardante Zero on PlayStation. So I can smack you up, you know, test my gangster, because I got my boy Justin Gaethje out there. I only fight light, lightweight, because I love lightweight. I don't know. It's just such a great division to fight on in this game, because you meet a lot of other guys that are, like, really good at the game in the lightweight. It's like the lightweight and the featherweight division. But, yeah, you meet a lot of guys that are good at the game. I don't know. For me, lightweight division in this game is similar to, like, lightweight in, like, real life, because there's a whole bunch of, like, killers <laughs> everywhere. I don't know weird segue but uh but yeah that that lightweight division is just it's super it's in a weird place it's in a really weird place and it, truthfully honestly because i hear joe rogan talking about a 165 a whole lot and it just the more i see the one 155 log jam with just all the talent that's there because it can all make a case for a title shot Everyone in the top 10 can probably try to make some type of case for a title shot. Or not everyone in the top 10. I won't say that. Like Kevin Kevin Lee. Eh. Little. I like Quinta. No, he's lost his like last two. Last two or three. Because yeah, he lost to Dan Hooker. And then he lost, he lost to Habib. And then you lost to someone else between those. I can't put my name I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. Aya Quinta, he probably he, he won't make a case. Dan Hooker, he can make a case if he beats Paul Felder. Paul Felder can make a case if he beats Dan Hooker, because he's on he's on a streak right now. Um Gaethje can make one. McGregor can make one. Tony Ferguson's already Tony Ferguson's already there. Poirier needs another needs another fight and a win for him to make one. And there's rumbling. There, there's some beef going back between him and Iaquinta. But I don't think if he beats Iaquinta, if he even gets a fight with Iaquinta, I don't think that will propel him into like title contention anytime soon. So, yeah, the division's kind of like, division's kind of weird. You know, it's understandable that a lot of these guys are fleeing into the 170s. You know, the guys that are kind of big enough, they're like fleeing really into 170. Because 170s is just a lot easier for them to, you know, rise up the ranks and possibly get a title shot. Even though, you know, Camaro has been a little weird. 
with his uh, schedule because he, he did have an injury for quite a bit, but it's still it's still way easier to try it and get some type of like big fight in the welterweight division. I mean, now that Colby Covington, he's going to be out for probably a few more months. He probably won't be back till fall because he did just have his jaw broken. Um, I mean, he's saying that he's not going to be out that long, but nah, yeah, he's definitely going to be out till fall. And Masvidal, after Masvidal, I mean, you can't really see anybody else in the welterweight division uh, making a claim for a title shot. So, so, so I, I, I was, I probably, we could probably see a whole lot more lightweights trying to like go up to 170 because even, even Poirier himself has been talking about going up to 170. I mean, even though it was just, you know, that one time like fight thing, because he's saying I'll, I'll fight you, I Quinta at 170. But I mean, I don't, I don't think he'll ever want to stay at 170 because he, 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 he trains at the American Top Team, and American Top Team has a whole bunch of like welterweight killers, and um, he, he could definitely like match himself up with those guys. But he does not have the re he, like he does not have enough wrestling to compete with the welterweights. So I would love to see you know them you know just kind of fix up those uh, divisions. You know, 155, make a 165 make a 175 and then 185 because right now it's just 155 to 170 to 185 then 205 and that's just kind of i don't know for me that's just really weird i mean that whole jump from 185 to 205 that kind of puts a lot of guys in like a weird corner where they have to go fight light heavyweight or have to fight in the middleweight but like for uh the lightweights and the welterweights are it's kind of like eh. Do I want to get down? Do I want to just be at 170, or do I have to go all the way down to 155 and go through that, like, through those killers? 155. So I mean, seeing this log jam right now, 155, there definitely needs to be, you know, a 165 weight class. We'll see. Hopefully, we won't see, you know, some someone try to like. We'll probably see a double champ thing try to go on with that 165 weight class, but there'll just be a whole lot more room for these guys to progress in fight for a title rather than kind of like sit around and just pick up fights to pick up fights so they can continue to keep their name in that like title lottery because right now it's really just a lottery at this point because apparently whoever wins between Habib and Ferguson is going to fight McGregor but honestly like I don't want to see that I don't want to see I mean unless it's Tony because Tony did have, you know, a little beef. But then again, it's like Connor has been around forever, and these guys have still been doing work. I mean, business-wise, it's great, but like for the division, it's not that great. It's kind of really, it's kind of really shitty for everyone else in that division. For a guy whose last fight was at welterweight against a guy who just lost to a guy that's already in title contention, for him to go step up over him. Even though it was at 170 and not at 155 at all, it's just kind of like it's kind of weird for someone who's like really like looking at it from like um, like a like a lightweight like a lightweight contender's perspective. I mean, looking at it from a fan's perspective, they're like, it's Connor. We're definitely gonna see it. Like business-wise, it's probably better because Connor is a huge name everywhere. Habib's a huge name in the Muslim and you know European sphere. And Gaethje, Gaethje's kind of relatively 
I would say relatively unknown to like the regular audience. So it would be a lot harder for them to, I would say it's not going to be hard to advertise it because all they have to do is play Gaethje's highlights. I mean, this man's the most violent man in the UFC. I mean, it's not going to be hard to advertise it, but I mean, it's just easier going off of just, oh, McGregor, this McGregor. So yeah, I mean, even other lightweights are like, yo, Gaethje, Gaethje would do so much better than uh, McGregor against Habib. Even though Habib is, uh, even though McGregor is definitely the big and bigger name, I believe, I believe, and a whole bunch of other like lightweight contenders believe that it's for sure Gaethje's turn. Gaethje's turn, Gaethje's shot, Gaethje's fight to win. I don't know. That's just me. I'm a huge Justin Gaethje fan because I love I, I love him. I love the violence. I play him all the time in UFC three. If any if if any of you guys ever see me on there, so I'm a huge Justin Gaethje fan. I'm a little biased, but at the same time, it's kind of like he has he has the resume. He has he has everything that he needs for a title shot. So it's like just give it to him. Don't let a guy who's been gone for like a few years come back for a welterweight fight beat a guy that he already knocked out leapfrog over him for a title fight i don't know that's just me so yeah those are my little thoughts on lightweight division gaichi title shot next against habib because i'm pretty sure habib's going to beat tony ferguson because habib's so much more of a better wrestler than uh, a lot of the guys that tony's fought uh, like kevin lee kevin lee was able to out wrestle tony Tony was just able to, you know, put in, you know, a really quick, a really uh, genius, I should say, triangle choke on Kevin Lee because he wasn't, you know, that one lapse of like, you know, judgment and then blam, triangle choke. But I mean, the way that Habib wrestles, getting to a triangle choke would be extremely difficult. Uh, well, performing a triangle choke would be extremely difficult on Tony's part maybe a Darce choke maybe maybe that's in the cards if he if he's out in the open but if it's like up in the cage up against the cage Habib wrestling I mean the only his only shot is maybe a leg lock maybe you can pull off a leg lock or um uh, a guillotine as we've seen uh Poirier do but I don't know Tony Ferguson's just been through a lot of wars, taking a lot of damage, and I don't, I see, I see, Fer, uh, I, I see Ferguson, his only shot is to, like, tie him up on the ground in the middle of the cage, you know, and, like, not next to the fence or anything, or, you know, maybe catch him with, like, a few elbows, a few clean elbows, rock him, you know, just do his crazy nonsense, and you know take Habib out but I mean the likelihood of that is a lot lower than uh, Habib throwing him against the cage doing his wrestling and neck cranking him the whole time so if it goes to a decision uh, I see Habib but you know if it ends up you know being a stoppage and most likely be Tony Ferguson but either way I mean that, that fight was that fight is really nice for the lightweight division but either way if either of them win and there's still a huge log jam because we've seen tony deal with a lot of injuries late recently uh you know habib only fights maybe once twice a year because of ramadan 
So, I mean, either way, they're still going to be the same exact log jam in that division, no matter what. So, open up 165. UFC, Dana White, 165. Yay. And change 170, 175. So, it would be like 10. Instead of like hopping up 15. I don't know. That makes more sense to me. Just looking at 155. Yeah. Um... And uh, speaking of other divisions with killers, uh, the strawweight division. Now, the, there's a really big fight coming up with uh, Weili Zhang and Joanna Jacek for the strawweight strap. And, man, hearing the news of, like, what Weili Zhang has been going through on her, like, poor training camp just for that fight is... It's insane because, like, she's from China, and she's around the area, around, like, where the, the coronavirus coronavirus was, like, really big. So, she's been, like, hopping around, like, from country to country. Uh, for a bit, she was in Thailand. Like, they were able to get her in Thailand. And then she had, like, a whole bunch of, like, visa. Uh, I think she had, like, visa issues and some other type of, like, because it was, like, you know the whole quarantine that was going on in china so they're able to get her in thailand so then she had to go through the whole quarantine process and visa process again in thailand so she can move to i believe it was Abu Dhabi. i could be wrong but she moved somewhere else and now she's looking for another um now she's like waiting for the process to be over for her to go to the states because right now, looking at like the way her whole the whole thing with this with the coronavirus, that that whole coming event might not even happen. So, I mean, hopefully it can, because it'll be a really uh, an amazing fight. But like just looking at like how the coronavirus has affected Weili Zhang's camp, and like probably for probably her morale, and just having to like just do all these other things that's not fighting involved. Like this is this is just so demoralizing. It's just kind of like like damn, I got another obstacle to go through. Oh my god, I just did that one. Now I got to do this. No, I just got to do. Now I have to do this one, and I still have to worry about training for this killer over here. I mean, you don't want to prove that she's the second best in like two divisions. So if Weili Zhang gets the fight and she wins in the fight, that would just be. Man, that would be a great story. It would be a great movie to make in like 10 years. <laughs> based off of something else. They probably like based it off like a Brazilian though. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. If she if she wins and she becomes like the greatest strawweight champion ever. Because that, that vision that does have a lot of the killers. I mean, you still got to worry about Rosanama and Eunice whenever. Because um, she ends up, she, I believe she's coming back soon and facing off Jessica Andrade. They just dropped her on her head. So, I mean, yeah, that strawweight division, you know, they have Jessica Andrade, you have Claudia Godella, you still have, you know, you're still going to have Joanna there, um, Rose, if I didn't say that already, and you got some, some up-and-comer killer, up-and-comer killers coming too. So, yeah, that 115, 155, they're pretty, they're pretty top-heavy. But they also have a lot of killers on the way. So those, those two divisions are like... I don't know. For me, they're, they're the most interesting. But 
looking at the way these traveling this traveling like problems going with Whaley, if the fight happens at all, I would probably see Yoana taking the dub if it like comes to decision, just because like all the other stress factors that's just been burdening Whaley. But if Whaley can you know get like a stoppage, like the first first two three rounds. Like, yeah. Like, I, the only way I could probably see Whaley winning this fight is if she gets a stoppage in the first three rounds. If she's able to utilize her wrestling, because she's, she's a very strong girl. And she can wrestle her ass off. She needs to. So if she can, she can get Yoan to the ground, wrestle the shit out of her for a couple rounds, and then maybe, you know, kick it up with the tight, uh, you know, the kickboxing. Then I could see her doing a decision, but if she does not wrestle whatsoever, she will not get a decision whatsoever. Because, I mean, Joanna, she, she's a killer. She is a killer when it comes to kickboxing. I mean, she's not, she's like one of those, you know, you know, I won't say ticky-tack, but like she's volume. She's volume. She's definitely uh, take, trying to take you out with a volume of strikes, not like one really big strike. Because, I mean, she's not, she's not even, she's not like as powerful as uh waylee because waylee waylee is some power she got some power she's super strong but joanna she's fast she's really technical and she can move very very well i mean she she just has that like tie boxing like style that's you know that could that could provide a lot of problems especially if you're not having like a really smooth camp i mean for someone with smooth camps that provides problems so someone who's having like a really rocky camp a whole bunch of like other issues that are not involving fighting and you know worrying about back your your family back home yeah but if if Whaley can utilize her wrestling and utilize her strength to keep her keep Yoana down land some ground and pound you know try to land like a couple big strikes here or there she's definitely she's for sure going to win that fight but if it's just going to be a straight kickboxing fight all five rounds, Yoan is probably Yoan is winning that fight. So, yeah, a lot of parity going on in that uh the strawweight division. If you don't know, it's strawweights at 115 for the women's, and it's only a women's thing. I mean, the furthest the men's goes is 125, and that honestly, it's not really popping right now because of Henry Cejudo. He's not really trying to like fight down there because of his like shoulder surgery, but. Looking at Henry Cejudo now, I don't even think. Oh, well, no, I don't think. I think he can. But making 125, seeing him now after that shoulder surgery, would seem. It seems like it's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult because he was. Uh, he used a little interview, and he was talking about how he wants to fight everybody except for like <laughs> the flyweights. Like he didn't even mention any flyweights. Um, he, the only b bantamweight he mentioned wanting to fight was Jose Aldo, because he, he's not trying to fight Aljamain Sterling because he's not a big name, um, and he lost the guy that he already beat, Mar uh, Marlon Moraes. He's not trying to beat uh, Peter. He's not trying to fight Peter Yan because he was like, oh, you only fought a, a 41-year-old skater. So I mean, he's kind of log jamping that uh, that division up right now. Will not like trying to fight anyone. Um, that is in that like number one contender spot. He's trying to fight Jose Aldo, who technically, if we're gonna be honest, should have won his fight, but didn't. So he was coming off he, he's coming off a loss. 
And yeah, he wants that fight mainly because Jose Aldo has a name. That's the only reason why he wants that fight. And then he was talking about, you know, fighting at 145 against Volkanovski for that belt. But I don't think that's going to go too <laughs> go too well for him. Even though, you know, they're, they're, they're similar in height. They're really short guys. Volkanovski, I mean, he's going to kill. He, he, he's going to kill uh, Henry Cejudo if Henry Cejudo tries to go up there. I mean, Henry Cejudo, with his new little karate style that he's coming up with, because he, I mean, he used to be really wrestling uh, dominant. Then he, like, moved to... Uh, he started going to like this uh, this karate guru guy. Oh, I don't know how to say it. This karate master. <laughs> that new little karate uh, style that he's been he, been uh, getting it with is uh, it's really helping him out when in uh, in fights. So it helped him take out T.J. Dillashaw. But I mean that's T.J. Dillashaw at 135. This this isn't Volkanovski at 145 because i mean volkanovsky that that boy is a killer i mean he destroyed jose aldo easily it didn't seem like he broke well he broke a sweat but like it didn't seem like it was, it was any problem for him so i don't know any who needs to shut the fuck up and fight somebody in the top five of that bantamweight and 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 he needs to go back down to 125 and fight joseph benavidez because, I mean, Joseph Benavidez has already beat him once. It would be a nice fight to see them go at it again. Because in that fight, I think Benavidez will come out on top again. Because Henry Sudo looks really big now, so it's going to take a little bit out of him. Because he's been putting a lot more weight on, so he can, like, be at the 135 and, defend, you know, defend that belt. So it's going to take a little bit more out of him to get down to 125. So, Yeah. He just, he's interested in fighting everyone besides the top contenders at 135 and anyone in the men's 125 division. I mean, he's talking about fighting Shevchenko. He's talking about fighting Wiley Zhang. He's talking about fighting fucking Volkanovski, fucking Jose Aldo coming off a loss and he just got to bantamweight. So it's like, damn, bro, you going to fight anybody at 125 in the men's division? You going to fight anybody like top five in bantamweight? Like shit, <laughs> come on. It seems he's kind of just seems like he's fucking around 100%, you know, the cringe king. So, uh, Dana needs to sit him down and be like, yo, you're going to fight whoever the fuck we say you're going to fight because you're, you're bullshitting at this point. You're BSing. You're bullshitting at this point to be 100% honest. You're, you're holding up two divisions and you're kind of, it just kind of seems like you're just like, do whatever you want to do it's kind of it, i don't know me watching him it's like hella annoying because like what he's doing to those divisions it's kind of just like unfair he's just kind of like screwing the whole bunch of these a whole, a whole lot of these guys over just so we can fight like a name a bigger name he just seems like he's going for a legacy and he's not he's not trying to he's not He's not trying to like advance anybody in the other in, in his divisions. He's just kind of like, let me build up my name, you know. I don't give a fuck about all these other guys. I mean, it's it's good to be selfish, but it's like to the point where you're fighting people in your division. Because I mean, he was talking a whole lot of shit to uh, T.J. Dillashaw when T.J. was coming down to 120 or trying to come down to 125 and take the belt. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna retire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take down this whole division. And then when he lost, you know. 
I mean, Henry Cejudo was like, seemed like the hero of the 125, and now he's like the fucking villain of 125. He's like, basically, screw 125ers. I don't care about 125ers. I'm not fighting 125er. Unless her, unless her name is, uh, unless it's a, a female or someone from the women's division, so we can do that whole intergender champion thing. Which, I mean, I wouldn't mind him getting his head bounced off the canvas by Valentina Shevchenko. That'd be pretty cool. You know, they should do that fight. That would be pretty nice. You know, just having, uh, or Amanda Nunes, him fighting Amanda Nunes. That would be pretty cool, too. You know, they should do that. I don't know. That might seem kind of weird for like, I don't know if they would be able to get that sanction at all. But I mean, it's like they're the same weight or they fight at the same weight, you know? I don't know. Saying out loud, it's kind of like, eh, probably impossible to do, but it'd be cool to do at the same time. Just be like, yo, intergender champion. And then he. If he fights Amanda Nunes, I see Amanda Nunes coming out on top, to be honest. If he fights Shevchenko, I don't know. I think he might be able to wrestle her to death. He's a bit, he's a lot stronger than her. But Nunes, mm, Nunes got them, got, got power in them damn little telephone poles for arms. So, I don't know. That'd be a cool fight to see, to be honest. Yeah. Well, that has been the second episode of Irrational MMA. Jesus, man, my fucking computer's going insane today. Uh, but yeah, second episode of Irrational MMA. Uh, check out my broadcast at 5 p.m. Fridays at KJAC Radio 107.1. Or check out the website. Um, if you want me to give you any further details on the website... Uh, I can't. You're going to have to figure that out on your own because I don't know how to use it either. <laughs> I looked at it and it was just kind of like, huh, fuck that. Uh, so, I mean, you can just kind of, you know, find a radio app and then 107.1, like the Sirius XM app. I don't know. I don't know how that works. I'm not a tech genius. I'm kind of dumb when it comes to that stuff. But, yeah. I like me some MMA though. But yeah, once again, you know, if you want to play me in UFC 3 uh you know hit me up on PlayStation Alucard Dante Zero Alucard as in Helsing and Dante as in Love May Cry then the number zero right at the end there cause I'm a cool boy uh I think right now I have like the whole PlayStation the little PlayStation thing they were doing for like the year, like the cool little icon emblems or, or the avatars they were like giving out for free based on like the games you played. So I have that one on. I think I have the fighting game one, the little samurai helmet or like the sword and stuff. But usually I do have like uh, Geralt from the, the Witcher as my avatar. So, you know, Alucard Dante Zero. Don't, don't do Alucard Dante Zero Zero. That's my old account. And I don't know the password to that one. So... Yeah, <laughs> you won't be very successful looking at that bad boy. So, yeah, Patty Ace, one more time, Rational Jackals, Rational MMA. This one, 
episode number two. Uh, you know, if you like these, let us know on Twitter at iJackalsBro, or just look up iJackals. I don't know how Twitter works. Uh, we've only post like, you know, our little episodes. I'll try posting more. Uh, Cause, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a social media type guy, but I'll try posting more. You know, follow us up, and yeah, have a good day.